Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So, if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. Hey everyone, it's Nigel T. Best and I just wanted to give some context to today's episode because it is a first for the How to Raise Money podcast. Today's episode is a live Q&A that Ray and I hosted in an app called Clubhouse. If you've not heard of Clubhouse, then you need to check it out. And I've got a video uh, down below, have a look in the show notes, and that video will explain a little bit more about it and why you need to be on it. But why did we do this? Well, it's, it's sweeping the world, is this app. And it's, how do you explain it? If you can imagine going to a big conference and you had lots of breakout rooms and there were loads of different topics and you could wander down and walk into one of the rooms and listen to the speakers. Well, that is what Clubhouse is in a virtual way. So you create a virtual room and you talk about whatever topic you want to talk about. So Ray and I... But this episode opened a room called the How to Raise Money podcast room. We then invited people to come in and Ray and I had a bit of a chat and then we asked for questions. So it was a live Q&A. But here's the thing. We also managed to find people coming into our room who were experts in various aspects of raising money. And we invited them up onto stage so that they could help give answers to people that had questions. So it's a real collaborative episode. It's great fun. We really enjoyed it. It's incredibly powerful. We are going to be doing more. So get yourself into Clubhouse. Make sure you follow Nigel T. Best and Ray McLennan so you can find out, hit the notification so you can find out when we're doing the How to Raise Money podcast room because I know a lot of people would love to ask us questions live. Well, now you can. Anyway, have a listen. Great fun, great learning, great knowledge in this episode. Hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Let's go. Here we go. Okay. So if, uh, hey, look, we've got, we got loads of people joining. Um, okay. So, uh, right, this is just talking. So hello, everyone in Clubhouse land. This is the How to Raise Money podcast. Uh, we're going to try and live record this. So just to let you know, uh, I'm here with Ray. Ray, are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning, everyone. He is. He is as well. Okay, right. The weird thing is, I'm trying to do this on an eCam uh, interview mode. I've got Ray alongside me. He's he's looking at his phone though. He's not looking into the camera lens, <laughs> apart from shiftily, because uh, we're we're giving this a go in terms of uh, see if we can record a podcast episode talking about. Uh, there, yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, he's holding it up. He's in. Uh, so, Ray, do you want to kick off podcast normal way? Yeah. Uh, okay. Hold on a minute. I'm just. It's popping up to let me know that I have phone, a phone call with someone booked in, in 20 minutes. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> so a quick episode then. This will be a quick episode. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast. My name is Ray McLennan. It's with me, Nigel T. Best. Ray, hello. This is technophobes uh you know worst moment uh, i think as we are you've got headphones in 
earphones. I've got headphones on. I've got microphones going. I've got a Rodecaster Pro going. I've got my phone going. We've got Clubhouse going. We've got podcasting going. We've got video going. Um, I've, I think that's probably enough, uh, and we, we probably ought to stop at that point and uh, go and lie down in a darkened room. But uh, what do you reckon? Are you loving the Clubhouse, Mr. McLennan? Uh, I am enjoying it, yeah, rather a lot. Learned a lot in the last few weeks. I have to say, if uh, somebody had told me, you know, before Christmas, <laughs> this is how you'll be spending most of your day, and it will—it's like a time vampire, but in a good way. Then I probably never would have believed it. I would have thought, no, not a chance. Not another, not another platform. Not another social media platform to have to engage with. But this, this I have to say, is a goodie. Yeah, and it's a, it's a different thing, isn't it? Audio only. Um, there's no uh, sort of sharing of anything as such. So you can't share screens. You don't even see the people. Um, you know, you can see people's bios. It, you create a room. You invite people in. And you talk about things. And, and here on the podcast, we talk about how to raise money. Uh, Mr. McLennan is uh, an absolute guru, angel, uh, and all the rest of it when it comes to raising money. Uh, and I guess whenever uh, Ray, a new platform comes out, not only do you have to understand it, learn it, find out the etiquette, the rules and various things. So I'm telling everyone that we're recording this uh, and I haven't invited anyone else up on stage at the moment because I want people to be absolutely aware that um, this is being recorded because uh, we've got this um, etiquette and, and policy of Clubhouse that you shouldn't record things. Uh, but uh, you've just invited someone up on stage. Uh, yeah, uh, I did. I invited pony um... skis. <laughs> <laughs> he's, now, the thing, about, the... the thing about no recording, the rule, or it's a, a guideline of it's no recording, guideline, unless you make people absolutely aware that it is Which being is recorded. Which is what we're doing. So Which this is, is being doing. recorded for a podcast episode. It's a trial. It's the first one. Yeah. We have never done this before. So this is another first for many of you out there who are new to uh, the whole clubhouse scene as it were and you're going to be part of a live recording so if you've got any questions to ask this is going to be the place yeah and it's good we because we're trying to find out we're trying to find out if, yeah. if clubhouse is good for building a brand uh, mixing with people that you you wouldn't otherwise mix with in lockdown period when you can't do any networking because networking they will say your network is your net worth and you can't get out there clubhouse is a great way to network and we're just thinking Hey, maybe this is a good way to get out there, talk to people, talk about things. And uh, and then who knows, that could lead to investor interest. It could lead to uh, bank managers coming on here saying, Nigel, I, I really love it. I'm just going to transfer a million to your account for no apparent reason. You know, these are the things that could happen in Clubhouse. Who knows? Ray, have we got any questions? Have we got any lined up? I can see, um, I can see Kevin uh, well is there. Just to let you know, I haven't. Um, we haven't opened the room to, for hands just yet. So we'll have Kevin up, and then probably after that, I see Ross, Ross Hood, the great Ross Hood, the, the lawyer extraordinaire who's new to uh, Clubhouse, who knows all about raising money, etc. Uh, Ross, I know you've been listening in. Uh, I hope you'll be putting your hand up and contributing to this uh, shortly. This is going to be a very short. This is going to be a very short room. This is not going to be hours on end. Some of them ha have gone on for hours. I mean, literally from you it's know. It's one going for a world record, and I think it's so about I, ten I, days I, in. It's about ten days. It's unbelievable, absolutely yeah. unbelievable. So this is not going to be one of those rooms. This is going to be short, sharp. 
We'll probably take about half a dozen questions and that will be it. But then we will schedule this for uh, regular appearances. So you will get an opportunity. Yep. Obviously, if you look at the top, those of you that are in the audience looking, you can see the moderators. There's Nigel, there's myself, there's Kevin. Uh, click on our links, see what it is that we do. Click follow. If you click on, um, actually, I was going to say, if you, let's say, punch Nigel in the face with your finger, tap on there, <laughs> what you will see is Nigel T. Best, and you will see a bell. So to the right of, of where he is, there's a bell. If you want to know when Nigel is going to be scheduling these uh, pod, podcast episodes, these recordings, if you touch on that bell, it will let you know. Same for me. If you touch on my profile, you will see there, uh, to the right, again, there's the bell and whether you're following me or not. And the system, the algorithm, the whole software uh, will let you know exactly when it's happening. So you won't miss out. But we will schedule it. And again, if you click on that bell, it will say Nigel and Ray have scheduled how to raise money, Q&A, ask me anything, that sort of thing. And you will get a notification well uh, in advance. So. Without I was going to say, uh, Ray, Ray, with an introduction yep. like that, we've, uh, I've just checked my watch. We've got no time for questions now. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> I was going to say, without any further ado, but, you know, you've extended the time there. Uh, for those of you, by the way, listening to this, th this is just what the podcast is like. It's usually Nigel and I trying to get some coherent um, message out there and uh, him constantly interrupting me. Oh, there we go. How so dare you? How very dare you? <laughs> I resemble that remark. Uh, so, Kevin, Kevin Paneskis, you're there. Unmute yourself and uh, give us your contribution. Kevin. Well, I, I'd just like to contribute by joining in on, on picking on you, just like Nigel did. Um, I, I remember when uh, Rob Moore invited us to speak and he said, quite quick 30 second intro and then 30 minutes later, Ray, you were still talking. So, so I echo what Nigel says, you know. Hang on, um, hang anyway, on, Kevin, was... Kevin. He, what, you mean he stopped after 30 minutes? Was the, was the no, man feeling unwell? He was still going. Oh, there you go. Uh, I timed that, Kevin, and I think you'll find that I was trumped by David Siegler, unceremoniously dumped by David Siegler, who did about a 45-minute introduction. <laughs> okay, well, I won't take up any, any more time. Um, so, yeah, this, this, um, the title of this, this room got picked my attention. Um, I saw podcasts, I saw Raising Money, What's Not to Like. So I, I, I have my own podcast. Um, I do raise money for um, property investing. My podcast actually helps me raise money for property investing, but I'm not going to jump into any uh, you know, content because that's what you guys are going to be providing. I might sort of um, jump the gun on any sort of stuff. So happy to be here, happy to listen to your, um, your content that you've got. And then if anyone's got any questions for me, then I'm happy to help. Thank you for inviting me up. Excellent. Okay, nice so one. what we will do um, is... Uh, we can open the hand raising for questions. So uh, we open hand raising there, the hand raiser open, and we've got a couple of people that want to speak. Excellent. Uh, so there we have, I think it's, uh, who's up first is Faisal, and then Peter, and then uh, Faye. So I think that is it. Now we'll close the room so that the room is closed. So there are well, three people. What he means is been invited to speak. Yeah, he, and no one else I can put the hand it, up. Is it Faisal? Have I pronounced that correctly? Uh, hi, good morning, uh, everybody. Yes, uh, my name is uh, is uh, is Faisal. Uh, I have a uh, one question or request uh, if you can uh, put some uh, room for just going through the steps how to raise finance for beginners 
and what are the best platforms that I know that uh, Ray, you did something uh, last year with Kevin McDonald's like a challenge and you come. Uh, I really uh, learn a lot from that challenge, but I would like to have it similar sort of, uh, of challenge or um, steps on how to pitch your deal and what is the best platform that you pitch and something like that. It's just for beginner. Uh, I, I would. This is my uh, request or question for uh, for you. Uh, excellent. Okay, Faisal. Well, thank you for doing that. Thank you and welcome to the platform. And thank you for the way you structured that. So to those of you that are listening in, the best way if you get invited up to speak is to say, I have a question for. So I have a question for Kevin. I have a question for Ray. And that allows us to, to tune in. When there's a, a larger room and there's a lot of people there, sometimes the question's asked and you, you're thinking to yourself, that question isn't for me. That, that might be addressed to Kevin. So you kind of, I wouldn't say you zone out, but you, you do not focus as much. Um, and then um, there can be a pause at the end. <clears throat> so well done, Faisal, for saying I have a question for, for uh, Ray. That's absolutely perfect. Okay, well, your question was about pitching and your question was about uh, as a beginner, how do you pitch? Well, you have to, there, there's seven things. So you could write this down. It'll, it will be in the recording. It'll be in the podcast. But there are seven things in terms of pitching that you want to cover, ideally. Now, you want to try and cover this in as short a time as possible. So there are rooms on Clubhouse where you can actually go and pitch. There is a room, uh, I think it's called Pitch Me Anything in Two Minutes. But if you search around and if you search uh, some venture capitalists, if you search um, angel investors, that sort of thing, you will find out where those rooms are. Now, just so that you know how to search is basically there will be if you are in this room, on the top left, you will see a chevron pointing down and it says all rooms. If you touch on all rooms, that will open what's known as the corridor, the corridor or the hallway of uh, Clubhouse. And you will see uh, the search icon up there on the top left hand side, just like the little magnifying glass. Now, if you touch on that magnifying glass, you can search using emoticons. So uh, it, the platform doesn't work using hashtags. It does work using keyword searches. But if you go up there and you can, you can uh, touch on that, you can search for people, you can search for rooms, and you can search under uh, icons. So if you want to engage, I don't know, let's say with people in South Africa, you can put in the South African flag there and it will show you everybody who's got a South African flag. If you want to engage with investors, you can put the word investor in or you can look at some of the investor profiles and you'll see that they're using an icon that looks like a little chart. So it's a, it's a sort of white square with a red zigzag line going up. So that's how you do that. Now, to get around to your actual answer, your question, because I see Nigel on the screen. There yeah, careful, the, careful right. Careful, right. You were get getting dangerously it. close to answering the question. Faisal, I'm going to jump in straight <laughs> away before he does. And just, I'm going to say to you, Faisal, whatever you've got as your pitch, Stand in front of a mirror and give it a go. Ray's got seven things he's going to go through very quickly, but say it out loud. Practice. That's what you want to do. But, Ray, give us the seven. Okay, so the seven things are, number one is identify the problem you solve. So what is the problem you're solving? Uh, number two is what's your solution. Number three is what's your ideal market. Number four is your team. Now, this is very important. Who's going to be in that team, in that group? Number five is your business model. How will you make money? Uh, number six, you want to identify your competition because there's always competition. 
And then number seven is what are you going to do with it? So what's the exit? How will an investor get their money back? So that's the seven things. Now, if you're listening to this podcast recording, it will be in the show notes, which will be underneath. If you are live on this now, then when the podcast comes out, you can go there. Faisal, you will hear that you have asked the question and that will be the answer. So identify the problem. What's the solution? What's your market? What's your team? What's your business model? What's your competition? And then what will you do with it? Does that help, Faisal? Yeah, help a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Uh, it's really appreciated. Thank you. Brilliant, Faisal. Thank you for the question. Now, uh, Ray's talking about all, all of that and saying, listen to the recording. That is on the basis that I have pressed the correct buttons. I have tuned in the right things and the, and the damn things are recording. So if you just come into the room, hello, welcome. Uh, this is the How to Raise Money podcast recording. So uh, if you do come up on stage and ask a question, uh, you'll be uh, recorded. If you don't want to do that, then don't come up on stage and ask a question, obviously. Want to keep within Clubhouse rules about that, uh, that everyone is aware if it's going to be recorded. If you want to see the podcast, click on either mine or Ray's uh, bio. You will see that it's in there, How to Raise Money. Search for it on your favorite uh, podcast platform and you will find us. It is, Ray, I, I like to call it the world famous how to raise money podcast because we have listeners all around the world and in their minds it's famous so i'm i'm jumping on that bandwagon but who've we got who've we got i can see uh, that we've got Faye up here so Faye, i'm gonna um ask you a question in a moment but i'm just having a quick look property investor hmos so has of multiple occupation cottages in the woods that sounds like a pantomime I'm guessing it's not. Uh, you're a podcast host as well. Yay, fellow podcast host, multiple business owner, entrepreneur, brilliant. Faye, you've got a question. Away you go. Hello, hello. I have. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm following Ray's rules. This is a question for Ray. Um, and I was pinged or notified of this um, room happening because after listening to Ray on in a room uh, on Saturday, I think I said I need to speak to that man. So I put notifications on. Um, but I'll just very briefly touch on the clubhouse um, etiquette or whatever you might call it. People have got to stop with these long intros because especially the regular rooms, it is so boring. I was on one this morning and it was 45 minutes of individual introductions from the same people who introduced themselves the day before. Um, so yeah, Faye, everyone... Faye, I think every uh, everybody should go to a room called the Ego Has Landed, uh, where they can fill their <laughs> boots on that. Because I I agree. Move on, move on. So um, I'm an HMO investor, um, and I do have cottages in the woods. I hopefully I'm not a pantomime dame because that'd be a little bit soul destroying. Um, my question is. Um, I, I refinanced, did a commercial refinance on my other business I've got. I released 400,000. I've invested that into my own HMOs. Um, while I was um, doing my due diligence, researching the market, I did lots of direct-to-vendor communication. I now have a pipeline, as they call it, of HMOs to buy and kind of feel like most of my time is spent courting investors, communicating with them, networking with them. Um, and I just wondered, is there another way? Mm, good question. Is there another way? Uh, yes, I think there is. Uh, leverage it out. 
um, I think you you want to focus on the day job, which is basically HMOs, running HMOs, filling HMOs, um, you know, finding that there is demand in an area. Because what's happening now is a lot of polarization. You've got people that are that are looking at the market and thinking, oh, it's terrible, I need to get out. And then there's other people looking at the market and thinking, this is a great opportunity, I want to get in. So you need to focus on, on the day job. My suggestion would be that you get... Um, Actually, fire an email to Stuart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T, Stuart, at RaisingAngelFinance.co.uk and engage with him and ask him if he will be your go-to guy and ask him if he can sort all of this out for you um, because there's a whole world of, uh, of money out there. There's a, a lot of banks, a lot of private individuals. We have a number of them that contact us You've also got your ones that know you. But what Stuart could do is handle the sort of administration of things for you. So you will know that there, there is, it's not as simple as saying, hi, I'd like to invest. Where do I put my money? There's a bit more to it than that. There's a few steps to go through. So if you delegate that, that out or leverage it out to someone like Stuart, I mean, you, could, you can choose other, there are other people you can choose on, on, um, on this platform who I could recommend. But I would say go there first, um, find out what he has to say, and uh, yeah, I hope that hope that answers the question, Faye. Yeah. Absolutely. That was exactly the kind of response I was hoping for, really. I kind of felt like there might be a leveraged option that um that I was missing and, and that kind of is it. I absolutely leverage everything. So I don't do the day-to-day -day management of HMOs, but I've got so many projects, I, you know, I can't possibly focus on the minutiae and, and yet you know, I need somebody to be doing the background work for this pipeline at the same time. Yeah, Faye, that, that's brilliant. And one of the things that Stuart mentioned, he was on our podcast a few weeks ago, is he said that, look, if you do this and you have a good track record, then the investors will come back and knock on your door and say, you're ready to go again. And that, I guess, is where you want to be, where people are just coming back and they just keep uh, rinsing and repeating. So hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, we like that. Faye, thank you very much indeed. Great to have you here. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your help. Okay, so we have uh, opened hand raising again. If anyone has any questions, anything they want to say, the uh, hand raising is opened. Just remember, don't yeah, don't come up on stage if you don't want to. Well, supposedly be recorded. Uh, as I said, I don't know if I press the right buttons, but uh, on that basis. Uh, keeping within Clubhouse's rules, uh, we wanted to just let you know. So if anyone's got a question, so I can see you've invited someone up, right? Yeah. Uh, hi, Peter, how are you? Hi, I'm, I'm very well. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me here on stage. So um, I'm Peter. I, I invest in single lads in Pittsburgh, UK. And and the question I'm going to keep it um, short and sweet, by the way. Um, and the question is for I guess for um, any of the moderators because you guys have vast experience in property investing. Um, so in terms of um, securities, raising funds and security, what type of security um, investors are after? Is it is it usually um, first charge or or what type of security investors are more comfortable with? Um. Peter, uh, good morning to you. Um, I would say that uh, what they are after is uh, everything, plus your firstborn, plus a kidney, plus one arm, one leg, uh, belt, braces, piece of string, staples, 
uh, the lot. Um, it, it really is a, a very wide open uh, sort of question is that it really depends on the risk profile. Uh, so if the project is uh, an irresistible offer, then people will come in and, and there may be some competition and the, uh, the demands of that, uh, the security could be lower. If, however, it is getting to uh, a risk profile that is, um, you know, uh, maybe getting closer to the, uh, the edge of the envelope for their particular lending, then they're going to be asking for more and more. If you go in and, and you find that people are coming back and they are asking for absolutely everything, first of all, distinguish whether that is just standard uh, policy, standard procedure. Um, so that could be personal guarantees or covenants over business, anything like that. That might just be standard practice at the moment. But if, if it isn't standard practice and they are applying lots of additional uh, restrictions or compliances on you, then maybe it's time to have a, a conversation and say, do you actually like this project? Is this project what you really want? Is there a way that I can go back and tweak this project and, and maybe come back with a lower risk profile that is more appetizing and therefore uh, less onerous on you? So, uh, Ray, I'm sure you've got uh, examples there that you could help with as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The um the, the security issue, yeah, always comes up. Everybody wants to have their proper, uh, sorry, their, their money secured. So yeah, first charge they like. But one of the things that we have had um, a bit of, uh, a, yeah, some good, some good feedback from, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, personal guarantees backed up by an insurance policy. Now, a lot of people are very reluctant to give a personal guarantee. And a lot of people would say, uh, well, I, I formed an SPV. I formed a limited company to get limited liability protection. The company can own the, the property and the investor can have a first charge on the property and a floating charge over the company. So why should I give a, a personal guarantee? And that's absolutely right. Why should they give a personal guarantee? But sometimes uh, the uh, investors ask for a personal guarantee and you may offer it, but then the investor turns around and says, "Well, it's okay. Actually, I've got, I've already got a first charge, and I've got the um, and I've got the floating charge over the company. That's enough for me." They just want to sort of see if you're prepared to put your yourself on the line, as it were. <clears throat> but if they do proceed with it, then there is um, a policy that you can take out—a personal guarantee insurance policy—and uh, you know, not everybody gets them. They, the the price of these varies but it can be very, very worthwhile. And what it means is if you get one of these policies and the personal guarantee is called upon, let's say, which would be an extreme case because you've got a first charge, you've then got a floating charge. So calling up the guarantee would be very extreme. Um, in that circumstance, if it does get called up, then it's the insurance company that would pay out. So you would not be at risk. Um, not for everybody, but it is just another sort of string to the security bow. Hope that helps, Peter. No, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. Um, food for thought, definitely. And um, I wasn't aware of the um, additional insurance that you can take on PGs. So that's that's really helpful. Thank you. You can insure anything. Microphone. Yeah, you can insure anything. That's why they call it reinsurance. Kevin Paneskis was flashing his microphone. Is there something you wanted to add there, Kevin, or were you applauding? Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Ray. Um, yeah. They they need to create another one, don't they, for uh, wanting to speak and applauding. So yeah, um, I had just had something to add with that. In that, I do find that a lot of people jump straight in um, to the you know sophisticated investors type route um, as their default. 
instead of actually going through the steps that, um, that can help you raise money from people who you know, friends and family. And, and you, a lot of people just assume that all their friends and family don't have money. Well, the reason for that is that they don't advertise the fact that they've got some money sat in the bank. Um, because they know, you know, they worry that people will just come and want to borrow it um, and not pay any interest and, and never give it back, that type of thing. Um, and so over the years, I've raised hundreds of thousands of pounds, actually, from friends and family, used it in property and obviously given it back with interest. And that's why people keep coming back for more. Um, and um, one, one of the things I, I find um, that, that facilitates that is just to be highlighting to friends and family what I do and never be uh, afraid to talk about what you do to friends and family and even put it on your social media. I, I was actually in a, in a hotel conversion project into a part hotel the other day and, and I mistakenly put it out on my friends and family Facebook as a live. I meant I've got two Facebooks. Um, but just from that, I had people saying, oh, I'm really interested in that. How can I invest? Um, and so it, it just highlights the fact that if you can represent a better rate of return for your friends and family than they're getting in the bank. And let's face it, the, the technical version of what people are getting in the bank right now is, is the square root of NAF all. Um, and so if you can do that, then you're, you're, you're giving yourself the opportunity for people to invest with you. And you'd be surprised at what interest rate people are happy with you know four percent is an awful lot more than they're getting in the bank but um, whereas a lot of the sophisticated investors that they they want a lot more you know much higher interest rate and they do want personal guarantees and they do want first charge and all of that stuff so with friends and family i've just done it on a loan agreement a standard loan agreement they're unsophisticated investors and that's the way i've done it so i just wanted to 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 highlight that fact that um, there is multiple ways of raising money for whatever it is your business is and but don't overlook your friends and family and don't assume that they don't have money because in my experience i've always been shocked an awful lot of them do uh, excellent kevin thank you for that um we've been joined uh, on the stage by ross you will see ross there ross is a uh he hasn't put anything in his profile, but I know he is a fantastic solicitor, corporate lawyer, knows all about securities and things. And uh, Ross, if you're there and you want to contribute, please bottom right, unmute your microphone and let's hear from Ross. Well, thank you, uh, Ray. Uh, it's good to speak to you all. And um, let's get some more questions. Ah, right. Okay. Well, so, uh, Ross hang on, here. hang on. Let me just jump in here. <laughs> We're on the How to Raise Money podcast, and we have an R hood on the on the stage. I mean, did no one else spot that? Hey, you know, we, there's a song in here somewhere, isn't there? Ralph's from the rich to the poor. Well, I I, I hadn't noticed 35 years on the game. I hadn't noticed that. No way! Come on, never heard that before. Uh, well, you see, uh, I can't keep it serious for too long. Uh, I have to apologise. Ray has to put up with me, so I guess Ross, so do you. Here's something which I think is uh, perhaps current, which is to say, do we all think that COVID has changed the way in which we have to raise money, and if so, how? Uh, excellent question. Do we think it? Yes, it seems to have changed things for everybody. Yeah. I think. Hang on, let's um, just go straight over to Rishi Sunak. Yeah. Rishi, has it has it affected you and the Treasury at the moment? 
<laughs> yeah. For some, um, for some definitely. For others, maybe less so because uh, old Jeff and uh, Elon, um, you know, they, they've not struggled too much. I, I guess it's a reordering of probably what's out there, isn't it? Different slices of the cake there, Ross. <clears throat> so it's a great question. It's a great question. And, and really, it depends at um, what level you're at. And if you are, a, you know, a small business, uh, then the ability to raise money, bounce back loans, well, that became incredibly easy and swift. Um, but uh, there may be other, other factors that have made it a lot harder, as, uh, as some people feel that uh, the risk is much higher. I'm in the, the care business, and, uh, and certainly funding there uh, took a real backseat because um, they said, well, you could have a business here where every one of your customers could be killed uh, with coronavirus. So why would I lend at the moment until I feel that you're out of the woods? So definitely depends what sector you're in, uh, how much you're doing. And it, it still comes back to that irresistible offer, doesn't it? If it's irresistible, I think the money's going to flow. What do you reckon, Ray? I know, you've got to, I know you're under time pressure uh, for, the, uh, for this. You've got to disappear off, haven't you? Uh, yeah, but I will come back. I have uh, I schedule 50-minute phone calls with business owners and people that I engage with, and I have one at, uh, in literally in one minute's time. So I will take that, but then I will come back afterwards. So um, Ross is now in here as a moderator. So for those of you who won't know Ross, and Ross, you've not done anything in your profile, you need to pop a few things in your profile there so people can see um, who they're addressing. But uh, for those of you that are listening on to this, Ross is a corporate lawyer, many years of experience, has done flotations. Uh, there's nothing Ross has not seen. He's very much an entrepreneurial lawyer. And uh, please take advantage of this great opportunity to ask Ross any questions you like. So I'm going to dip out now, make my phone call, but I will be back. Okay, thank you, Ray. Uh, so Ross, yes, what are your thoughts then on the, uh, has coronavirus affected things? Has it changed things? Um. That's a good question. Back the way, I think the answer is that the propensity to delay and to be cautious has increased. And so, whilst you might have the best possible project, a great return, good security, good cover, good covenant, um, you've got to anticipate that it's going to take longer to persuade others. And there's nothing wrong in that, but you have to anticipate that caution and be. Uh, ready to deal with it. So, as you've said, you know, um, if someone said that surely all your residents in the care home might die, you, you should have thought that one through. I'm not saying you didn't, but to have an answer ready, which is to say, well, there's a lot of demand in the area to um, join a care home. So even if we were to have an unfortunate death or deaths, then in those circumstances, we would anticipate um, the vacancies being filled. So anticipate um, the delay, anticipate caution, and anticipate um, the sort of questions you might be asked. No, I think that's fair enough. And, and certainly, um, I, I, I'm going to give you another question here, Ross, and I don't know if anyone else in the audience has experienced this, but with coronavirus, part of the problem of raising the money is actually being getting in contact with the right people, the decision makers, and that flow of information between people who are uh, isolated working from home. How's it, have you noticed anything along those lines? Um, yes, good point. Um, 
systems, even if someone's sitting in a, a, at a desk with a PC or a Mac, they still have to access systems. That's not always easy. They don't have colleagues directly to hand, so the, the decision-making tree is growing arms and legs, which is a mixed metaphor. Um, and sometimes information is not to hand. So um, the, the speed and accuracy of decision-making has just extended. So it, you just have to, if you think two weeks, you know, bargain for four. Um, if, if an answer should have come in an afternoon, it might come three days later. There's nothing wrong with the system. The system just has to cope with um, unusual and exceptional times. Very true, very true. Okay, so um, thank you, Ross. On stage, we also have uh, Dale here. So let's just have a quick look here. Um, so there you go. Dale says, uh, first line of his bio when you're having a look at people in Clubhouse, raised over a billion for off-plan properties across the UK and international. There you go. I think uh, I think that says enough to get a peek our curiosity. So Dale, welcome to the stage. Welcome to the how to raise money podcast just as a reminder for everyone this is um, we're attempting to record this uh, so to stay within clubhouse guidelines uh, we're letting everyone know uh, that so if you don't wish to uh, raise anything on here um, then you know don't uh, you don't have to uh, but for those that do uh, just know that it could be recorded that's assuming i've pressed the right button so dale away you go welcome Hey, hi guys. Hey, Kevin, Nigel, Ross. Uh, it's good to be here. So yeah, I was very interested when I saw this pop up. Um, I work in the uh, probably the more, more difficult part of the, the sector for raising finance uh, off-plan uh, developments. Um, I've managed product launches over the last 10-15 years up to GDVs of about 250 million, uh, primarily in the northwest uh, areas around London. So we, we've um, we successfully raised a lot of money via online marketing, digital strategy. My job is to get the money off investors who are looking for buy-to-let investments. Um, but at the same time, I, I do get access to a lot of acquisitions. I get sites on my table every day um, offering very good return on investments. I know a lot of people in construction. So I'm, I'm really just here to uh, listen to your guys' take on, on raising capital and, and, and finance and mitigating risk when doing so. Uh, but but my space is is securing buyers for these um, these developments, uh, and then make sure the properties are managed. So just a brief introduction there. My company's Fabric Invest. Uh, you can read my bio and DM me for for more information. Thank you. Uh, Dale, I mean, thank you for that. Um, tell me, if you're getting people contacting you all the time, and you're looking to raise money, what um, for anyone listening, what are the the key things that uh, would make you kick something into the long grass or take it further. So in other words, what have people got to present to you to make you want to take the next step, pick up the phone, have a conversation, investigate further, and maybe look at that particular development or project in, you know, so what should they be, be preparing before they have that first conversation? Sure. So I've actually got like, I've put together over the years, a very comprehensive due diligence checklist. It's probably about 200 points. Um, obviously, has it got planning permission? Um, what's the GDV on the scheme? What are the construction costs? Because uh, cash flow is everything, right? And if you get your cash flow wrong, I've seen things go pretty wrong with, with some developments that haven't been built because they got the money wrong or they 
they underestimated the uh, the build cost. Of, a prime example is Forest, a, a contractor who went into administ administration, even Carillion. Um, you know, they overexposed themselves to uh, to debt, and then they go under. So you really need to look at the cash flow. You really need to look at the build costs, get the right uh, contractors in place, uh, the right project monitors. You know, you want the likes of Savills doing the cost monitoring, things like that. Uh, you know, I'm no guru on, on uh, accounting and stuff. So you just need the right team, construction, project monitors. Um, do your due diligence on the site. Look at the location. Is it viable? Uh, is it giving the right yield? Um, is there regeneration in that area for, you know, is there going to be some capital growth? So that's the first things I'd look at. And then also the structure of the deal. Uh, can you put an option down? That's very popular where you secure an option on the site and then you raise the initial seed capital uh, before acquiring the site and getting the, the section S106, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, I think one of the things in there that you said was one of the key key figures is the GDV. Uh, that relies on valuations. What are your thoughts? So, Kevin, Ross, Dale, what are your thoughts on um, valuations at the moment? Do you want to go first, Dale? And then we'll go across the others. Yeah. Um, so, so like I said, I sell individual apartments to investors. Uh, I work with a lot of developers to do the, the fundraising. Uh, it's something I'm looking to get in more. That's why I'm here to find out more about raising finance on sites that land on my desk. But for me, I'd get an independent valuer to value the sites. I wouldn't just take it at face value. Um, so in terms of valuations of COVID, I think there's probably some really good deals out there, especially I'm getting stuff land on my desk that's commercial to resi conversions. Um, and retail, obviously, we're, we're in a nightmare situation where retail's struggling and, you know, offices are quiet. So I'm seeing a lot of things up in Preston, for example, like commercial to resi conversion, which actually costs less to do than building something from scratch. Um, so that's my thoughts anyway. I'm, I'm keen to find out more. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Uh, Ross, what do you think about valuations at the moment? Um. Oh gosh, uh, I'm in the middle of something where we've got evaluations in November and it's probably good till the end of January, but at the end of January, um, who knows? And uh, <laughs> that's, it's, it's, that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> who does uh, know and who dares place reliance on it? The valuer inherently acting for the security holder is going to be cautious. They have to be. And caution means trying to take in all that's happening and there's a lot happening um there's been a lot of activity in the residential market prices have been really good in various places but then if you look at 2021's overall views there are those who say that prices will fall um, now that's a broad brush i think um valuation even prior to evaluation, you've got to say, given today's lockdowns, it's not going to be possible to have personal visits. It's not going to be possible to have face-to-faces. Um, your surveyor can still work away from home, but there's going to be more uh, challenges for them. And so, um, although the security holder is the person who instructs the valuation, in practice, um, you've got to get a grip on um, what that red book valuation might look like. So it's not just a question of um, the lender, lender phones up their RICS. Someone goes out and values it and produces the value that everyone expects. 
So that there could well be a degree of uncertainty out there, almost certainly, in the minds of the lender. And Ross, are you seeing that trend uh, in terms of valuations being valued, revalued and revalued lower? No, I, I don't see the trend as yet, but it, it, it's certainly an indication that it may be um, a factor because um, good business depends upon certainty. And if there's uncertain issues, then that affects one, willingness to lend, and two, it affects appetite to accept a particular professional valuation because evaluation is a snapshot in time. And whilst it looks forward in the sense of saying, we believe that the over market value at today's day is, the implication is that also that, that valuation should remain live for a period of time. So I think, I think um, anyone seeking to raise funds has got to get a very clear idea of what their particular market is and uh, what's happening in that market and to have assembled information about that and to have that ready into hand and to the extent possible um, to have engaged informally with a valuer to, to get a feel for where they think things are going. So what I'm saying in effect is that just don't take it as given that uh, valuations are fixed and that what was good this month will be good in March. Um, and do the homework. There you go. Good stuff. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to come to you, but before I do, I'm going to uh, open up, uh, if anyone's got a question, if they want to raise their hand um, and we'll um, invite somebody up. Just as a reminder, if you've just joined, uh, we are recording this for the How to Raise Money podcast. So if you don't wish to be recorded, um, don't stick your hand up. But uh, Kevin, over to you whilst I try and do this raise hand thing. Okay, yeah, so the, the valuations question, um, it's, it's a difficult one. It, a lot of it depends on what type of, of property is currently being revalued because at any particular time, um, certain, certain properties are going to be doing well in terms of um, their resale value and, and comparables that are being sold recently in the local area at a good price. So it surprised everybody. Some some of the, the 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 property values at the moment and the demand for them. So you're not going to struggle too much with those. And then there, there's clearly other other types of properties that are going to be struggling at the moment. So it might now might not be a great time to be refinancing or raising um, money from banks on on certain property sectors that are currently struggling due to, to COVID. Now, when it comes to valuations, I also think it's, it's a really useful thing to do to actually use a broker and, and to use a broker because the, the broker quite often is aware of which lenders have an appetite for lending at any particular time because the lenders often change their risk appetite. And so the, the broker should have this, his or her ear to the ground and be aware that a certain bank, for instance, has got funds available to lend and they want to get it out into property. And so then that bank is going to be more willing to lend and then they're less likely to be instructing the surveyors on their panel to be down valuing now of course that isn't official but i i firmly believe that there, there's certain dialogue that happens between uh, surveyors and, and lenders in terms of um where they value uh properties 
Um, and so, yes, absolutely, you're, you stand a, a better chance of getting a decent valuation if the bank that you're dealing with has got a decent appetite at that time. And then when it comes to the, the, the valuer or the surveyor coming to the property, there's definitely certain ways you can um, facilitate that to create a, a better result for you. Clearly, the, the better, the higher the valuation, the better usually, um, um, unless you're obviously buying. But anyway, that's another thing. And so we we have provided comparables to surveyors on site, and they quite often say, "Oh no, no, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see it." But once you leave the room, if if there's a a, a Rick's sur survey report on on the the table and you've left the room. I bet you this surveyor has a quick peek, um, has a quick look. Um, things like that. Don't send surveyors to a property that is tenanted when you want to refinance that property without you being there because for some bizarre reason, well, it's not bizarre, but this is what happens. The tenants try and influence the surveyor um, and tell the surveyor um, things that actually might uh, reduce the amount of rent they pay um, and think they don't understand who this person is but they they will complain to this professional with his with his or her clipboard about the property and tell them about different things and oh no, the rent next door is is 200 pounds a month less than than the rent i have to pay and and things like that that is not going to help so so please do not allow your surveyors to go to tenanted properties and the tenant show the surveyor around you you need to be there and turn up early because if the surveyor turns up early, then you're not going to get a chance to to show the surveyor around. The tenant will. So that's my um, my input on that. There's a lot of moving parts. So hopefully that that helps everyone. Yeah, that's good, right. Kevin. I, I do like that. I do like that. You've got to, um, you know, try and help the valuer, uh, but make it that it um, the valuer feels that it was their idea to get that sort of help. You can never you can never tell them. But you can always, uh, you know, maybe use a bit of that influence, a bit of that uh, schmoozing somewhere along the line. It can make a big difference. Um, okay, I've got a question. And Dale, it was prompted by something you said. And you were talking about uh, off-plan, you know, people want to raise money to do off-plan deals. And I'm thinking that a lot of people, when they get into property or any uh, anything like that, they start off relatively small but it's not long before everyone feels that they are you know a developer in hiding and they're going to step out and they're going to develop their first plot you know it could be a single house it could be half a dozen houses it could be 12 apartments it could be a housing estate have you got dale any advice for how people could make that transition from maybe doing buy to lets hmos other properties like that to stepping up to doing uh, an off-plan development. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the space. I mean, at the moment, I, I'm looking at sort of JV opportunities because I get a lot of good deals on the table. And the, the market's tough. Uh, you're right, Kevin. Obviously, the best thing to do, like my business partner, Steve, is actually down at a site now in Kent, and he's taken a valuation book that he's put together himself to go with the valuer because uh, they often can uh, downvalue things. So, so definitely it's good to do a bit of hand-holding. But the transition really for me is if you're in that space and you've made some money in real estate, HMOs are great. I mean, it's not my thing. My niche has always just been off plan. 
uh, raising initial capital from investors via marketing the initial 20, 30%. But where there's an opportunity there is securing the site and then partnering with reliable agents on the leasehold sales of the properties um, and then utilizing their, their marketing resource. Companies like ours can, for example, we can, we've just sold out an 80 unit development. Uh, we've done developments up to sort of 200 units uh, tend not to go higher than that. It's a bit risky and, you know, the market's not as, as fluid as it was before. But the first, the first stages was, would, would be to partner, do a JV, find someone who has that experience in that sector. Um, and then it could be a mix of an equity raise through a finance partner, um, such as Maslow Finance or someone. Um, and then tapping into marketing agents who can do the off-plan sales. So the likes of Sellboy, uh, Seven Capital, those are good examples of companies, uh, select properties that have, you know, they're, they're great at that market. They, they have a fantastic brand and they've been able to build on that, uh, that brand by, by doing some serious marketing with agents all over the world. Yeah, Dale, I, I mean, what I'm hearing from that is, um, you know, if you're thinking of being a developer, for goodness sake, don't try and do everything yourself. It's go and talk to people who've been there, done it, uh, share their knowledge, but also leverage that downstream marketing knowledge because that's what's going to you know, really influence a development, isn't it? If there is strong marketing, strong demand, and that is, is all flowing back, it, it gives confidence all the way up and down the line, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. My, my job is to, to manage product launches, create the story, look at areas where there's regeneration and, and then put all the, the fancy marketing together, CGI's videos, uh, you go out to Hong Kong, Singapore, South Africa, I've got office in Cape Town in London. So that's what we do. We, we, we do the, the sales and the marketing of the off-plan products. Um, so DM, DM me, obviously, anyone on yours who's maybe interested in that and interested in possible uh, joint ventures on some sites. Uh, you know, I think there's certainly time time now to potentially secure below market value deals. But you're right, it is quite difficult to tell where the values are going to go uh, with the current, uh, the current crisis. And that's, it. That's, that's excellent stuff there. Thank you, Dale. Um, yeah, just as a reminder for anyone, um, you know, just tap on people's profiles, give people a follow, uh, ding the dong, <laughs> so ring the bell, so you get, <laughs> you get the notifications for whenever someone's talking that you're following because it's always useful to tap in and uh, listen to what they've got to say. And uh, obviously, in the bio, if you're doing it, you can link at the moment your Twitter and your Instagram, uh, neither of which I particularly use a huge amount. Uh, but that's a great way of um, getting in touch with people individually. Um, and, and that is something that, uh, you know, we want the How to Raise Money podcast recorded episodes that we might do here in Clubhouse or the non-recorded episodes that we'll be doing it in uh, Clubhouse is to try and build your network. Um, you know, we, we mentioned it right at the beginning. Now is uh, not the time to be able to go out and network with people. I don't know about anyone else. I'm missing the handshakes, the hugs, the, that sort of physical inter interaction with people. And, uh, you know, Clubhouse is a, uh, goes part way to being able to still grow your network and still find out about people and still be able to ask the question, who do you know who? So if somebody said, oh, who do you know who, you know, does this, that and the other? It might be, well, that could be, that could be Dale. That could be Ross. 
that could be Kevin, that could be Ray, that could be me. You know, it's still a great way of doing it. So that's why I think you should be, uh, if you're out here, follow people, get, um, you know, find out what they're up to. If you like the cut of their jib, uh, as Ray is always saying, uh, then, uh, you know, that could be a good person to follow and stay in touch with. It's a great way to network. Okay. Ray is back. Jump in. I'm back. I am back back. from my phone call. Um, uh, this is going to be a short room. We are not going to go beyond uh, 12.30, I can tell you that for now. <laughs> At least I'm not going to go beyond 12.30, which is in about uh, 35, 40 minutes. If you uh, have anyone you think might be interested in this, if you look at the bottom of your screen, you'll see a little plus sign. If you touch on the plus sign there, you can invite people into the room. You can ping someone into the room. So if you see uh, the profiles of people, the faces, there'll be a green dot. That means they're actually in Clubhouse right now. They're live. You can go there. And if you move down, uh, scroll down, you'll see a number next to them. That tells you the last time they were on uh, Clubhouse. So ping people into the room. Let people know that this is here. Uh, We can refresh the room. And we've got the hands open now for questions. So if anyone has any questions that they want to ask, please raise your hand. Come up here. You can ask Nigel. You can ask myself, Ross, who's a corporate lawyer who, um, say, specializes in a special, well, he's he's a specialist in a number of areas, but very, very wide ranging experience. Here is your opportunity to get a corporate lawyer of high standing who would normally charge 500 pounds an hour for his written replies. You can get him here now uh, effectively for, uh, yeah, well, for free. Yeah, absolutely, for free. So raise your hands if you want to ask a question of Ross. There's Kevin uh, in there. Kevin, who runs a network of uh, service accommodation properties, who's raised a lot of money, has a lot of private investors. So if you have anything you want to ask, raise your hand, click on the plus sign and invite people in. I keep getting a signal flapping up on my phone, which says poor signal. So I'm hoping I am being heard. Nigel, am yeah, I being well, heard? Well, I, I can hear you, Ray. Uh, I know there's a few people saying, can you turn it down? We can still hear him too. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, what, I've got a question for you, Ray. Where do you see SAS pension funds and, you know, pension funds in general in terms of being uh, a source of uh, funds for people in, in the how to raise money arena? Okay, good question. So SAS stands for Small Self-Administered Scheme. Uh, A SAS uh, pension is usually someone who has transferred their pension into a SAS from uh, a SIP or from their other pension fund. And you can then, they can then access that money and they can invest in commercial property and draw money out. SASs are huge. There there are uh, trillions, literally billions and billions in SASs available to be deployed. And we have been in touch with a number of SAS funds. They have a particular protocol to go through to allow you to access the SAS funds, but uh, very much so. Are they something that um, you can raise money from? Absolutely, of course you can. So I would, I would absolutely encourage anyone to um, get in touch with a SAS fund. You know about SAS funds, Nigel, don't you? You have your own SAS. I've got a SAS, I have. Um, uh, we've got someone there, if you want to sort that out, uh, Ray, who's, yep. who's wanted to come up. But yeah, I've, I've got a SAS fund because uh, one of the things that, um, I don't know, always irked me somewhat was the thought that uh, any pension fund that you might have that if you accumulated uh, through your employment, 
And we've got to remember that if you are employed by the public sector or the armed forces or anything like that, you cannot take your money out and create a SAS fund. Sorry about that. But uh, most other people could create a SAS fund. And the question has always come to me and said, well, why would you want to take your money out of a, an employee uh, pension fund from a, from a business and take control of it in a, in a SAS? And it always came down to the simple thing that uh, when my uh, if, if I should die, then my wife, if she's still alive, would get half the pension. And then when she dies, the kids get nothing. Whereas if you have a SAS pension fund, uh, what always intrigued me and interested me was the fact that if you die, it gets handed on. It doesn't end. The pension isn't swallowed up in some a big sort of sinkhole of money to the uh, administering uh, organization, whoever that might have been. So the SAS lives in perpetuity. Well, for as long as you can you know, keep investing it and keep it growing and all the rest of it, then I guess, yes, it is in perpetuity. So for me, that was great. The other thing was the ability to access your funds to do something in property with them. And I know a lot of people are throwing their hands up saying, hang on, hang on, you can't buy property with your SAS funds. Well, you can. You just need to do a few different steps or do it in certain types of property. So commercial property, you can access your funds straight away. What does that mean? It means you don't have to go to a bank, doesn't it? If you've got a, a reasonable pension fund, you're, you're effectively the bank of yourself. And, you know, if you've got good trustees who uh, understand the risks and, and they're happy with it because their job is to ensure that the pension is protected and you're not doing anything silly, so you're not going down the casino and putting it on red. No, no black, no red, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of the Jiminy Cricket sat on your shoulder telling you to not be sensible. And uh, I think pension funds, there's loads out there, lots of people wanting to lend. Nigel, could I just ask a question and just follow on what you, from what you, you said? Of course you can. So I'm, I'm in the space. Um, I mean, what you said is, is pretty much spot on. And um, I'd just like to highlight that with pensions, not all pensions won't get passed down to your family. It's just defined benefit pensions normally within the workings will not get passed down in full to family, to spouse or to children. So if you do have, when I say defined benefit, that's the company will pay you a salary every year when you retire for your commitment to their firm, depending on the years and your, your salary. Um, the other sort of pension, of course, is, is defined contribution where you can contribute a bit, the company contributes a bit, and that pension will now in UK always be passed down to uh, to your family, which is nice. Um, however, normally the funds that they have available aren't, aren't particularly great. Um, question about the SAS. Um, it's something that I plug a lot of my uh, clients into. I've, I've got a lot of clients within the property space. It'd be interesting to hear what provider you're using. Uh, you mean as in the trustees? Yes. The, uh, for me, uh, it's Day Cooper Day. Ah, exactly the same, small world. I was just going to ask a question. Sorry to jump in. Um, yeah, do. Hi, Brenda. I just from, hi, hi, um, I'm Brenda. I'm an accountant. And um, I have been interested in SAS and SIP uh, for a while. So just to, to specify, Nigel, from what you said earlier, for everyone who probably doesn't know, SAS is a trust which is why it can be handed down um, to your family after you pass <clears throat> quite easily. But 
don't you think that the SaaS and the SIP are just notoriously expensive, you know, for the average investor or for the average person? I've looked into this and it's just so expensive to actually initially set up any of those two. Wouldn't it just take up, suck up a lot of money right at the beginning? How would you go about it? So yeah, I was going to say, before you jump in, Reese, um, uh, thank you, Brenda. Uh, I knew <laughs> when I mentioned pensions, I should probably have not opened this can of worms. Uh, but uh, in, in terms of um, fees and, and all, all those sort of things, uh, I think it depends how you view fees. And if you've got an initial setup, but then you have control and everything else is relatively uh, low. So there aren't the ongoing annual fees. Uh, that, uh, you know, a, a, a normal pension or the traditional pension would have to perform at a certain level. The fees would get deducted. And, uh, you know, when you look at that, those fees are, are quite a high percentage recurring fees. Um, the SAS fees uh, could be a lot lower. And um, I think it's horses for courses. I think you should do your own research. Um, Ray and I are, are at pains to point out that the uh, How to Raise Money podcast is for entertainment value only, and we're not giving advice. Uh, Ray's just smiling and nodding at me there uh, with his legal background. But it, it, in terms of fees, yeah, I think maybe, but when you get into property and some people are getting 20 and 30% returns when they're in control of their SaaS funds, um, you know, then you compare that to what traditional pensions have been returning recently and, um, you know, you, you make a can, choice. Can, but Reese, jump in. Can I add something? You're going, Reese. Great, uh, Nigel. Yeah, Dale, just before you do, um, I think, Brenda, you've, you've touched on a, a, a point that's really important for a lot of people in the UK. Um, and actually, I could back you up and say historically, when SIP and SAS sort of first started, they were, were deemed expensive compared to maybe a personal pension or, or another trust-based alternative. Um, however, I mean, I've frequently got clients at the moment now using SIP providers for 20 bips um, and investing freely on that platform. SAS can be slightly more expensive depending on, on, on what you want to do with it. Um, a lot of companies like Day Cooper Day, for example, that, that a lot of my clients use may charge for different transactions that you want to do. So if you're regularly buying commercial property, um, within the SAS, there, there will be transaction fees and, and, and things included. So it depends what you want to use it for. Um, but definitely on the SIP side, I can say that the cost of that has, has really sort of come down because the SIP providers really realised that they were outpriced within the market but by other alternatives. Could I just ask, um, Brenda, so when you say expensive, uh, what do you mean by expensive? What's the definition of, the, you know, they are expensive that you mentioned earlier? Right. It's a, I mean, I've looked into it and there's just that the initial cost of setting up any of these two with the SAS or the SIP have just been notoriously costly. So if you're looking at uh, the return, the, the, the ROI really from setting up your SIP and the sort of value that you'll get from it, sometimes you look at that, the, the initial cost and the ongoing expenses yearly can be can be really quite astronomical for the ordinary investor. You know, it depends on how much money you have. And I think all these things always depend on the relativity of what you are spending based on what the return will be for you and your family. It might be easier just to set up just a normally family trust. So, Brenda, if, if you're looking for a bit of clarity in this sort of what can be perceived to be a murky space, um, I won't charge you for my time. But if you go Thank to my you. bio and go to reesbrown.club, 
if you find if you just give me your email address and stuff and book some time in my calendar we can sit down and i can just hopefully give you a bit of, of clarity really i think there's obviously a lot of questions that you've got at the moment but it's really hard for the panel to give precise answers without sort of first understanding a lot more about your background um, and a lot more about what you're trying to achieve. So if you want to do that, I'll, I'll do that free across. Thank Reece, you, Phil. Connect on LinkedIn. Uh, financial advisor. I just wanted to add to that very quickly. I'm not a financial advisor, but there is a company called uh, Get Ground, and it's a new way you can actually buy through a limited company, which is also tax efficient. It's a lot cheaper than buy, uh, setting up with an accountant. It costs a £500 uh, setup fee and then, and then sort of a, a yearly fee of 150 pounds to do your council or whatever. Um, and that way that also helps with inheritance and tax planning and tax efficiency. So that is one way to uh, look at that. But again, speak to Reese. you know, he's, he's qualified with regards to financial advice. Just something we've been using, Get Ground is backed by the UK government. Um, so you could speak to them about that option, which is another route to take, especially for residential, because I don't think with SAS, if I'm correct, you can buy residential. It's mostly with regards to commercial property. I think I'm, I think I'm right anyway. I think that's correct. Uh, Dale, thank you very much. I mean, Ray, this is an uh, amazing conversation here and uh, batting back and forth. You can uh, buy property uh, by obviously lending money out of your SAS pension uh, to buy into a company and, and you can buy property there. Um, I, I know because I've done it. Uh, but um, in terms of pensions, it's huge. And the amount of money sat in pensions is incredible it makes you know elon musk look like he's uh, not even trying and uh, I, I think the the ability to get in and if you are if you are finding that fees seem very high if you are finding that trustees seem to be telling you you can't you can't you can't if you are working with accountants who seem to go it's a scam don't do it and all the rest of it widen your remit um, and go to other people for different opinions before making up your mind. Um, I have certainly seen uh, an awful lot when it comes to um, uh, pensions and anything like that that have come and gone. People have uh, set up schemes and said, this is definitely fact, that's definitely fact. But when you drill into it and say, well, could you show me where it is in the legislation? Uh, there's nothing there and they can't back it up or they can't prove their point. So. I think you need to make sure, like anything when you're raising money, do your due diligence. And if you've listened to the podcast Red Wine Chronicles uh, series of episodes uh, where Ray and I were tasting red wines whilst trying to record a podcast, I did struggle to say due diligence after a short while. Uh, I struggle most of the time, but those red wine podcast, those red wine chronicles, Ray, we need to do some more. Um, I think you're right. We should need to do some more. Um, I'm going to open the floor to questions in a few minutes, but, um, you know, touch on that plus sign at the bottom, connect people in. I see in the audience, there's a couple of people I've spoken to over the last couple of days. So Jamie, Jamie, you're down there. You're a builder. I know that you're in uh, Yorkshire. We had a conversation the other day. Maybe you want to come up and ask that question here because there might be people that you can connect to in this room that will help you. Uh, I actually think that there is. I can see one or two people in this room who could help you, Jamie. So if you're there and you're listening in, uh, you should, in, I suppose, pop your hand up. I'll open it now. So raise hands, put your hand up, come up and speak if you wish. There's Jamie is coming Excellent. up to speak. As, as you come up, Jamie, just a reminder to everyone in the room, uh, we're, we're trying to record this for the podcast. So if you've got any concerns about anything being recorded, um, uh, 
don't bother speaking. But if you're not and you're happy with it, then great. And you will be on our podcast episode if I pressed the button correctly and it is actually yeah, you recording. May, you, may, you may not have. But anyone else who's got a question, you're in there. This is only going to go on for another 20, 20 minutes, 23 minutes, in fact. And then we'll be finished. So if you think anyone could benefit from the advice given here, ping them into the room. If you've got anything you want to say or add, if you've got anything to contribute, if you know how to get money for people, and I know a couple of you in the room can do that, happily uh, give you a a chance to come up on the stage, as it were, and speak. So, uh, Jamie, do you have a question, sir? Hi there. Yeah, um, thanks for inviting me in Um, again. Really enjoying this platform. It's great to chat with people in the know um yeah so i talked on another um platform uh, another group uh, i think it was yesterday um we've been building extensions etc for well 10 years we've kind of gone down the extensions route we're doing renovations now we're looking now we've got a pot behind us to look to do our own um, builds because we have two in-house brickies and obviously the sub is and good accounts that Builders, merchants, etc. Um, so we've I've got a plot that is one hundred and fifty thousand pounds for two um, five bed uh, houses. Um, it's through a friend of my father's actually. Um, now we've estimated between one hundred and twenty, one hundred thirty thousand per build. So. It's roughly two hundred thousand pound in, and, and the end value is between two eight to two ninety per property. Um, obviously, I've gone out to a broker to try and test the market, see where we're at. It's our first somewhat soiree into property well, building that for ourselves. Um, so yeah, just wondering, it's the finance part really that 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 that's struggling or not struggling, but is, is the part that's the lack of my knowledge. Because when we get the build, obviously, we, that's our sector. We know what we're doing. So I was just wondering what you think or people would think about the best way of, of, of raising for, the, for a full yeah. build. Okay, Jamie. Yeah, I gave you some advice on that yesterday. But I can see in the audience there is, if you're listening, Michael Primrose. Michael Primrose is there. Um, uh, Michael is the property finance guy. And Michael and I have done a few things over the years. So, Michael, if you are listening in and you want to contribute to this, put your hand up. We'll let you in and you can uh, speak. There we go. And you can answer Jamie's question. So here we are, Jamie. I'm going to connect you directly to a guy who I think can help. Apologies for any any background noise. Hello, Michael. Jamie had a question. Jamie's got two plots of land. He's got a bit of money to buy the land. I suggested to him yesterday that he should do vendor finance, get the vendor to do it. But the vendor, the, the sellers, are a couple of uh, older people from Yorkshire who uh, you know, don't want any, any of that fancy vendor finance stuff. They just want to get their money up front. Uh, I did suggest one or two things that Jamie could do there, but he's going to need development finance. And uh, if you, Michael, could advise Jamie on the best way that you can get development finance, the floor is yours, sir. Yeah, so by the sounds of it, the biggest concern I think you've got, Jamie, is is this lack of experience. I think which you, it's always a funny one because builders always have this fear of lack of experience because it's all they've done it for everyone else and then go to raise finance and then go, oh, hang on a minute, I haven't got the experience. I need to go and raise the finance, and it it's kind of the complete opposite because actually you're probably more experienced than most of the people in 
most of the rooms on this platform probably um, because your boots on the ground you've actually been in their building you see what goes wrong on a day-to-day -day basis whereas these guys who sort of put themselves forward as developers they're not boots on the ground they're sat in a, a warm cozy office most of the time and um, sort of dictating play from up above so it's that fear of having a lack of experience I'd, I'd get rid of that to a certain degree because actually you shouldn't really in theory have any issues in raising development finance uh, as long as obviously you can show your track record and uh, show some previous projects that you've worked on and obviously you'll be delivering it yourself and uh, I mean I don't know how many units we're talking about here but as long as we're not talking about anything that's sort of too big uh, then there shouldn't be any major problems well um, it's, in it's terms one of plots with with two five-bedroom houses that oh, all, all the architecture are done, all the services are in, it's flat land, so it's kind of a, a buy and build, if, if, if maybe, you know, solicitors fees and X, Y, Z. Yeah, there's no red flag. I mean, the, the one red flag that comes out of that is that it's two five-bed units. Um, now, the only, I mean, again, I, I don't know where it is from a geographical point of view, but just as a heads up, um, one of the biggest things, especially at the minute, is just be conscious that the valuer is probably going to go out and say, oh, these are going to take forever to sell. Oh, yeah, you, you'll be stuck with these on the market for a while. Um, so just just keep in mind that that probably is going to happen. Um, and then because it happens on any developments of that size, it, it, it just happens. It is um, actually in an area where, let's say, multifamily um, people do live. So they do, they do actively look for quite large houses they either they either buy large houses or get smaller houses and make them bigger perfect well if there's i mean if there's those comparables nearby and there's a good track record of of sales happening then hopefully you shouldn't get that value of feedback um but that's the only red flag i can see there other than that in terms of the actual development finance you in theory if you've got the cash to buy those those plots outright um, without any finance, then you should be able to raise 100% of the cost of the works through development finance without too many problems whatsoever. Um, if you then, the fact that you're purchasing those plots of land unencumbered with your own cash should mean that actually within, because normally development development finance is normally uh, raised in arrears or released in arrears rather. So you've got to do the work and then claim the money back. The difference if you've purchased the land outright is that hopefully you should be able to get some sort of day one advance sort of against what you've already spent uh, in order so that you, you're not having to rely on those tranches in arrears you can sort of almost forward fund yourself and um, by sort of playing the system a little bit so it just means that you're not having to constantly go back and claim money you, you can just let the the project go at its own pace and and obviously you've got the cash in the bank to be able to then sort of work on it because I, I can imagine that's Another concern is that if you go and buy this land outright, it might leave you with no cash in the bank to actually get the work started. Yeah, um, that's so great advice. I mean, what we are planning to do is, is build one up to the roof being on and then put the internals team in and then start the other one so that yeah. we're not hemorrhaging money on groundworks and building as we go so we can kind of yeah, draw perfect. some as we build. Something um, else you could do, Jamie, is obviously try and sell it off plan. You know, get someone who wants to buy it before you build it, and then you'll really be away at the races. Is that an option? Yeah, well, we was hoping if not, if even if not off plan, then then hopefully whilst we're building, so that bit, you know, and add the incentive of you know you can put your own kitchen in to your spec up to a certain amount, and then add if it's above what we were going to spend on a kitchen, then. But you know, we we do that work for them, so they're getting exactly what 
day one in that house. Yeah, absolutely. If you've got anything, like anything like, you know, those CGI drawings, the 3D drawings, you can get those sort of things made up for a couple of hundred quid. And that would really, really help you to sell. Yeah, well, we have good accounts with Howden's, etc. So, you know, if, if we go in there, I'm sure they'd, they'd mock us something up for... The other thing with with that selling off plan is that, let's say you don't quite sell them off, like if you've just got some interest or or maybe even if you manage to get an exchange before you go for the development finance, again, it gets rid of that. Another big worry for development lenders is, is the exit. Um, and again, it comes back to this two five bed units some lenders might be a little bit put off by the size so if you've got interest if you've maybe managed to exchange or sell one off plan uh, it just makes raising the development yeah, finance so yeah much jamie easier. so that jamie that's uh that's my field and niche is off plan uh, to be honest we, we mostly do like 50 units plus uh we've, we've I've, I've sold sort of thousands of, of off plan units um houses obviously of that size and scale are a bit smaller but definitely if you get some nice cgi's done you could speak to local realtors we could start to actually sell them off plan and, and raise the funds that way. A lot of our developers just put options down on sites and then, you know, they come to us and we effectively raise the uh, the funds. Guys, I've got to get off. I've got to get back to work before my company goes bust. Um, thanks for inviting me on, Ray. My business partner, Steve Jacobs, is there with the red background. He, he works in uh, raising funds for, for some developments for us. So feel free to uh, get him on. But it's it's been really good to speak. Please message me. Uh, Ray, I'd love to hear from you and, and discuss raising finance on sites because um, we just do the off-plan sales, but we've got access to some some sites and we would we, we explore that. So thanks, thanks a lot. Sure, no problem. Excellent. All right, we've okay, got. Could I just ask? Thank you for your could time. Could I just ask one more question? Sorry, on the on the five bed thing. Very um, briefly, so, Jamie, because we've only got fifteen yeah, minutes left. We've got a couple other people want to jump in. With you being great, great so far, um, the, the the fifth bedroom is actually in the loft. Would it be more prudent to do a four bedroom? and board the loft out for them to do that or uh, from a lending point of view or would, it's just with having a fifth bed obviously it adds adds to the value of the property but um but but with the lending side would that be an option i think if you get um if you get if you get some cgi's made up which is uh you know sort of what the house would look like when it's finished from all different angles and you can get off plan uh, interest from people, they will tell you what they want to do or not. They will tell you if they want to do that. Right. Uh, so I think that would be the way to go. All I'm right, we've yeah. had, uh, we did have someone waiting who's now gone, but Will, Will is there. Will, if you are listening. So, Hiya. Uh, will Hiya Broad, guys, okay. you have a question? Yes, I'm Will. Um, I'm a quantity surveyor in Manchester. Um, it was more just the fact of raising finance. I want to try and get on the property ladder young. Um, I'm only 19. Um, so trying to get on the property ladder as a buy to let or a flip project young would be great extended family are in the property game but they've kind of said if that's the route that you want to go down then you've got to do it on your own like we did so the support's there but the finances aren't um, it was just more I don't know there's a lot of people on here obviously that are specialists in raising finance so I don't know whether anyone would be able to give me a helping hand or point me in the right direction uh, okay, Will, I, was, I would say... I was going to say, Will, that's a classic case of ask yeah. for money and you get advice. Whereas yeah, if you ask for it. the advice, you get the money. <laughs> Just and... about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also to say, though, um, Will, there is no... Um, age is no barrier. You know, there are developers yeah. that come to us age 17, 18, uh, 20, 60, 70. Age is no barrier. It's, it's Basically, it's 
it's all in the mind, as it were. If you think you can do it, you're, you're right. And if you think oh, you yeah. can't do it, you're absolutely right. I've got the right. mindset for it. Yeah, um, okay. Well, it's, that's it's that's just... the first thing. So it, 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 it would usually come down to the property itself, the development itself. So if you've got something, you've seen something, you want to get involved in something, and you've done a financial appraisal and it all stacks up, then uh, you will get funding for it. Okay. And, and then it's probably a good idea for you to also look at doing joint ventures with people, joint ventures with uh, other developers or people who are in that space, you know, you can in this um, in this community, you can go on and, and just ask the question, just say, look, I'm young and I'm, I'm in this area and I'm looking to, to meet up with someone when the time is right. And you can basically show me show me the ropes. There are lots of people that will do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. OK. What would what would be the best way to go around that, though, is how can you post that out? Is that just on social media in general or is there a yeah, social media, social media in general? Yep. Have your footprint. You know, if I go and look at you on social media, what does it say about you? What does it say that you're doing? So if yeah. your profile doesn't say that, then ch start to change things in that direction. You can go into rooms in this uh, community. Uh, there are a lot of them. There are, um, yeah, a whole loads of rooms. The other thing you want to do is your profile on this platform doesn't say anything. It just says Will Broad. It doesn't say where you are. It doesn't say, I mean, I know you're in the UK now, but you want to start putting information in there. Put a flag in there, okay. put a pin in there, say I'm UK based. Say at the top as well, above what's called above the fold, uh, what it is that you're looking for. Now, with investors, uh, one of the things, uh, if you're going to get involved in investors is you want to say, uh, you know, you've had a lot of success in your life. What's most important to you right now? That's what investors really want to want to hear. What's mm -hmm. important to you? You're asking them. But if you want to get involved, you want to do joint ventures, go into property groups. There's lots of rooms in this uh, platform in Clubhouse. There's lots of property rooms. Go in there, listen, get involved. You're doing it. Ask questions. And, uh, you know, away you go. Yeah. yeah and I wish you all the, the best of luck. Right. So, thanks, guys. Yeah. Hey, that's that great, great yes. to hear from you, Will. Great to hear from you. Thank you very much for joining us here. And Will, what I would say is, uh, I don't know what point you joined, came into the room, but if you missed the beginning, one of the first questions we had from Faisal was about how to raise money for beginners, and Ray gave his seven-point checklist. I don't, have you still got it there, Ray? Because it's uh, useful to do, because we're getting towards the end of uh, this particular room and this episode, this mammoth episode of the podcast um, for anyone that has just joined that wants to uh, see where uh, the podcast is go to the um, you know usual thing Apple podcast or whatever podcast player you use have a look for how to raise money with Ray McLennan and Nigel T best that's uh, us too and uh, you will see it but we'll also put show notes in there and we'll give that list but Ray have you got that list to hand on your phone again are you able uh, to yes. read it out Quickly, yes, of course I have. Just help Will and everyone else again. Sure. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, I'm Yes, I, yeah, I, can, I can hear you. You can hear me, all right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So in, in terms of pitching, and this is pitching for business, this is uh, also um, in terms of pitching for property, it's slightly different. In property, we would have the Crest model, um, credibility, return, exit, security, and trust. So the credibility part, uh, Will, you're obviously you know, deficient in. Uh, but you can bring in partners, you can bring in joint venture partners who can shore up that credibility. Then you want to tell people what return they're going to get. Then you need to identify the exit. That is, uh, how are they going to get their money back? Are you going to refinance it? Are you going to sell it? What are you going to do with it? Uh, S stands for security. What kind of security are you offering? It's usually a first charge over the development. And then T is for trust. Do they trust you? 
But in terms of pitching for a, uh, in general, uh, for a, if, you, if you have a business, then there are seven things to consider. They will be in the show notes, but that is number one is identify the problem you solve. Number two is what's your solution to that problem. So in property, it might be that there's a deficiency of social housing and uh, you've identified there's a lack of social housing and your solution is to provide social housing, for example. So one, identify the problem. Two, what's the solution? Three, what is your ideal market? Four, is the team. This is very important. Who's in your team? What silverbacks have you got in there? What old grizzled guys have you got in there that have been around the block? Uh, number five is your business model. How are you going to make money? Six is what competition is there in the area? And number seven is what will you do with it? In other words, the exit. How will an investor get their money back? So that was the seven points covered. Um, we have six minutes left. So anybody who has any questions to ask, now is your chance. Six minutes left and then this room will be closed. If you want to follow uh, myself, Nigel Ross, uh, Michael is up there as well. I encourage you to follow him. You can click on our face. And if you touch on our face, it will show you our profile. And there's a bell there. There's a button that says following or follow. And there's a bell to the left of that. If you touch on the bell, that will show you when we are back live. It will also let you know when we have scheduled uh, one of these rooms. And uh, yeah, I'm just right. I'm I'm just looking uh, down here in the audience. Uh, I can see Richard Little. Um, Richard, very good to see you. Now, if you want somebody who has been through, uh, when we're talking about building development, property, been through um, a few ups and downs, a few of the booms and busts in the economy, but has, the always, silverback. Made, the, has always made it through. <laughs> and um, I don't know if he's got that part yet as Captain Birdseye on the Fish Finger adverts. <laughs> Richard, I couldn't. I couldn't resist. I haven't seen you for a few years, but that is a uh, sporting a mighty fine beard. But there in the audience, follow Richard if you're wanting that. He gave some great information, great posts about his take on the economy, developments, buildings, property, because he's been through it and he's survived it all. He's, he's steered a steady ship and uh, got through that when others have come and gone. And uh, there's a reason that people survive, and it's because they know what they're doing. So you need to um, keep an eye out for, for people like that. Follow them because they, uh, they may not be posting or doing anything necessarily here in the clubhouse, but they are a great fonts of knowledge. So uh, on Facebook, I'd urge you to go uh, have a look at what he's doing. Um, a very, very interesting take, always valuable take on what's happening in the market. Uh, but yes, if, uh, if anyone has one last question, because we're rapidly running out of time, right? Uh, on here. Uh, there you go. We've, we've got someone who's just popping up. Um, Ray's just bringing them up on stage. Hello, Pete. Hello. Thanks for having me up. Uh, so my name's Pete Kemp. Uh, I'm a builder and I'm an investor from near Sheffield. And uh, my question is, uh, just before Christmas, I uh, pitched on my personal and business pages uh, for funding for a project. Um, this was off the back of some development training I did over lockdown. And the trainer helped us afterwards to uh, look at projects and put a proposal together. Now, I uh, had some interest uh, just before Christmas from a guy that turned out to be a connector. So he would uh, put developers with uh, high net worth individuals who were looking to um, invest. And he gave my proposal, uh, appraisal and my full build cost breakdown to another uh, connector in the finance sector who then put it out to the investors. Um, 
I had an email over Christmas that uh, there was an investor who wanted to fully fund the project and wanted to come and meet me on the 5th of January to come and have a look at the uh, the building to give me an okay on it. Um, so I uh, phoned the agent up on the 4th when they reopened and found out that the property had sold. Uh, so I missed out on that. So I went back to the second uh, finance guy who I spoke to and he said, well, you've made the connection now. He will fund anything from between 250, 300,000 up to 2 million um, on first charge basis. Uh, he likes what you've done. He likes your appraisal. He likes the fact that you've done a full build cost breakdown. He wants to work with you. Uh, so go out and go shopping again. So my question is, how do I maintain this relationship? Bearing in mind, it might be a couple of few months before I find another project which is suitable. Okay, good question. Now, how do you maintain the relationship? Um, keep up to date. Do what's called a follow-up Friday. So every Friday, um, schedule it in your calendar just to let them know what you've been doing. Just fire them a, a, an email or a WhatsApp message that say, hi, Mr. Investor, you know, I've, here's the following areas I've searched. This is what I'm doing. This is what I've learned. Um, you know, let him know that you're fine tuning and honing your craft. Uh, when it comes to things like financial appraisals, there's a lot of good stuff out there. I just want to big up uh, a website. It's called MyPDA, M-Y-P-D-A, MyPDA. Uh, I think it's .com, MyPDA.com. I'll have to check on that. But it is um, financial uh, appraisal uh, software that you can get. So it's MyPDA. I'm looking it up now. It's MyPDA.co.uk. It's a, a wonderful uh, site where you can do financial appraisals and you can track progress and, and you can pipeline things and so on. But if you're also looking for uh, projects, there's no shortage of projects. I mean, there, uh, certainly we don't see that. There's no, you said you were in Sheffield. Um, in and around Sheffield, that there are, there's lots of things going on. So you could joint ventures with someone. You could step in and say, right, you know, I have an investor. Uh, you, you know, he's ready to deploy his money. Why don't we do something? Why don't we do something together? Yeah. Because you do run the risk of them going cold. And I'll tell you what you also run the risk of is you call him up with the best deal in the world, you know, in a month's time. And he turns around and says, oh, I've, I've, I've deployed that money. That money's gone because they don't want it sitting in the bank. They want to get it out to good deals. So you do run the risk of losing them. So I would say follow up Friday. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, keep, keep up to date with them. Let them know exactly what you're doing. But also, yeah, definitely try and joint venture with somebody. Yeah, and, Fantastic. Thank Ray, you very just, much. Um, Pete, just jumping on uh, Ray's point and adding to that, there's no harm in going back with potentially to the investor with some projects that you say are borderline and say why you think they might be borderline because they may be borderline to you but not to them. And at the moment, you don't really know uh, where that investor is. So if you went back to them and said, if I came to you with the greatest investment ever, but it's going to be 750000 how quickly could you actually move on that? Um, and just try and gauge where they are on that lending because you don't want to, as Ray says, go with something and they turn around and say, no, I can't do that at the moment. So you want to be looking at various levels of investments to keep going back to them and just keep putting things under their nose and say, I think this one's borderline, but if, if you want me to find out more, I, I can do. Because you might not quite know what the key boxes are that that investor ticks. And, and it's building that relationship. They'll also appreciate as well when you have um, something put in front of them, reasons why you may have discounted it, because that, that project may just be being presented to them from a different direction. 
And uh, so they may appreciate you, the fact that you are triaging uh, investments as well. So there's a few things you can do there to build that relationship. Yeah, I've got you. Well, my first point of contact is actually the first guy who uh, contacted me. So I, I'm not actually directly in touch with the guy with the funds. I don't even know his name. I just know he was interested and he wanted to work uh, to meet me. Uh, and I asked if I could have his details so I could have his quick chat. And I was told, well, he's a very busy guy. He literally wants to come and have a look at the project. And if it ticked his boxes, they'd say, yeah, and then move on. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm back to square one with speaking to the, the original guy who connects me with the, with the money. So I'll do that. I'll keep, uh, I'll keep it up to date with him and uh, see where we can go from that. Excellent. Uh, okay, okay, Pete, thank you very much. Ray, Ray. Thank you. Hey, as a, as a first effort, if this... Um, if this sucker doesn't record or hasn't recorded, <laughs> I am not going to be happy How, because there's some really good stuff in there, some great connections uh, that I hope people have, have made. I hope you've tapped on people's profiles, you've followed them, uh, you've turned on notifications where you need to uh, so that you can get notified of when they're opening another room because, Ray, we will be doing the How to Raise Money uh, podcast room again. Uh, so keep an eye out. Uh, make sure you click on notifications from uh, both of us so that you find out when and where they are. I have a feeling that it could well be Monday mornings. Um, roughly this time uh, is, is certainly same one. Feeling, same, same feeling. You know, we can definitely fit that one in. We may have to do, because ladies and gentlemen, the How to Raise Money podcast is, in my opinion, world famous. And uh, we, we do have, uh, I think, is it about 30, 40% of our followers uh, are in America. And, Bizarrely, uh, yes. Even though uh, you know we're tar targeting the UK market, but they they want. I think what they want to do is follow the banter, Nigel. That's what it is. We get lots of comments on that <laughs> when you and I start having a go at each other. Um, or I think the Red Wine Chronicles did really well. You know when you couldn't yeah, pronounce yeah. due diligence after about half an hour. I know, but, and, uh, and we were recording those at about nine in the morning. It was <laughs> uh, it ruined my day. Uh, I have yeah, to say, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do some more of those definitely. Um, but I think uh, we'll we'll have to do some later in the evening UK time so that uh, we we do get there because uh, we are um, on the podcast we have had hundreds of thousands of downloads. So uh, for anyone listening on the podcast. Thank you very much. If you want to give us a review on the uh, Apple podcast, then that's brilliant. We'll give you a shout out uh, in other episodes of the podcast. But we've got some great guests coming up uh, on the podcast in uh, over the next few weeks, haven't we, Ray? Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> thinking yeah. quickly, yeah. thinking quickly, he yes. says. No, we do. Yes. We do. We've got yes. some really Correct. good ones. Uh, actually, as a result of uh, Clubhouse, uh, or getting introduced to some fantastic people. And I reached out to them and they said, yep, we're up for it. So uh, I've got Excellent. to send them links Excellent. and get on with it, basically. Right. Yeah, perfect. Uh, okay. Right. That, Enjoyed I think, it. Is it. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we're going to have to wrap this up. So, uh, yeah, but nothing else to say. But thank you to the speakers. Thank you to Ross for contributing. Thank you to Michael for contributing. Thank you to all the people that asked questions in there. We had... Faisal asking questions. We had Jamie asking questions, Pete, uh, lots of people that were asking questions, yeah. which is always yeah, we good. Did. We will make this a regular occurrence, but uh, for now, that is the end of the How to Raise Money podcast recorded for the very first time on Clubhouse. I have been Ray McLennan. And I'm still Nigel T. Best. Thank you very much. See you later, folks. 
Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. The website has all the useful links and underlying research, and you can get downloads of the checklists and other useful information. See you next time, where we can show you how to raise money. There is abundance. There is money enough for everyone on the planet. The question is, who has yours?